0: Donald Trump would always come up to my kids, was very gracious. He would always tell them, oh, your mom was the first woman to ever put me on TV. And my husband would wince.
1: Hi, I'm Gina Cerrito, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Lynn White and Judy Licht. We're the News Broads, broads casting about the news and all things media. We're here to give you insights on how it all works. A look at the news you won't find anywhere else.
0: You know, in a reporter's career, there are lots of ups and downs. And I have one moment that I wish I could take back. But there you have it. I mean, my husband once said if there were Nuremberg trial for journalists, I would be the first defendant. And I plead guilty because I was the first person to put Donald Trump on television.
1: Oh, and and this is our exclusive. One of us. Our exclusives with our own Judy Licht, and she was one was the first person to put Donald Trump on the air. Tell us about it. Well, he was not
0: even 30, I think, or just coming on 30 years of age, but very well connected. Rich father, you know, a developer in the outer boroughs, very politically
2: connected. And cute, too, back then.
0: Uh, Him, not the (laughs) father. Donald was. And uh, I was approached because his first project was taking the old Commodore Hotel and building a Grand Hyatt. And one of the things was there was the under the clock at the Biltmore, which was a big iconic New York spot where lovers and dates used to meet. And I was going to do a light feature on what the heck was he going to do with the clock at the Biltmore. Okay. So I meet him and this was going to be who is Donald Trump? What is he doing? Why is he doing? And what's he really going to do with the clock at the billboard? Not exactly heavy duty
1: stuff. What was your first impression of him? Well,
0: actually, I'd met him before, because I was dating at that time, a very politically connected judge who brought me to a lunch and said, You've gotta meet this guy from Queens. He's really gonna be somebody. And in walks this guy in a shark skin suit looking oh my very outer borough. I hate to say it. I grew up in the outer borough, so I can say it. But- He looked very sharp. He came in like he owned the world. Everybody at the table became a supplicant to him. Mm. And I'm thinking, who the heck is this guy anyway? And who does he think he is? You know, I'm sure he didn't remember me from the lunch, actually, because he was too busy preening and, you know, walking around. Mm. Anyway, so I knew him. I knew my friend had said, oh, he's going to be somebody. But there we were interviewing. He turned on the charm. I mean, he was very charming. He was not as arrogant at that point. Were you at Channel 5 at the time? I was at Channel 5 or Channel 7. I was at Channel 5. And he started the interview, and I started to do, well, what about the clock? And he didn't want to hear about the clock. He had his eyes already on the Hudson Yards, mm. on the undeveloped railroad yards on the west side of Manhattan. And the ones up in the 60s.
1: Well, Not it ran, in those
0: yes. days, it ran from the 30s to 72nd Street. Okay. What year was this, Judy? Uh, I believe it was the late 70s, uh, early 80s. It was the late 70s because the city was then in it, its worst financial straits in history. As, as you recall, Absolutely. we were almost bankrupt. And um, he said he re- he just wanted to talk about that, and it had nothing to do with the story I was assigned to do, which I found mildly irritating. Eventually, I got him back on track, but he was doing a sell job. He was selling Trump. Uh, That's and that what he's was, good at. <laughs> you know, and that was the beginning. Right. Now, did you become friends with him? Did you socialize with him after that? No, not immediately. He was very grateful to be put on television, mm-hmm. obviously. So the guy took my calls, and Sure enough, a few years later, he was doing his second project. And his second project was he bought the Teller Building I remember and he was well. about to build Trump
2: Tower. Right. So what he did
0: created headlines. He created real antipathy on the part of the critics in New York, because he just knocked the building down. There were these very important sculptural friezes uh, on the outside. I don't know if you remember, but they were beautiful. And the Municipal Art Society wanted them preserved. And he just didn't care. It got in his way. He knocked the building down. And And so those weren't saved. Uh, They were not saved. And there were headlines on the front page of, of the tabloids and got a lot of attraction in the Times because... The man just didn't want to listen to critics. He didn't want to play ball with the administration, and he just knocked them down. It was a horrible move. It got him terrible publicity for Guy. That there is no career. such thing is
2: bad press, is right? That correct? And he knew how to turn it around too. Didn't he get involved with women's skating rink and upgrading it? Yeah, but that came later, Lynn. Mm-hmm. What happened was
0: I was on a woman's panel, and I met. This other woman who had started the new museum, which at that time nobody'd heard of, it was functioning in a little corner at NYU. NYU needed the space back. Here was this woman, Marsha Tucker, who was desperate to find cheap or non—you know anything without a price tag on it, space for her little museum, which is now a major contemporary art museum yeah. in New York. But back then, they were in a little corner of NYU. And I thought, gee, you know, I, I had this idea. I'll call Donald Trump. He's building this huge building. I'm sure there's space in the basement somewhere because an art gallery doesn't need natural light. I'm sure he has... Space that he could donate, he could get a big tax write-off. He'd win back <laughs> all the critics, right? And it would be a win-win-win win for her, win for him. So he was taking my calls back then. I call him up and I said, "Donald, I have an idea for you." And I proceed to tell him my idea. And there was this long silence at the end of the call, and he said, "Judy, I appreciate the call, but what do I give a goddamn about what they think of me?" Oh, whoa,
1: and I, you know, he didn't what? think of, yeah. Spoke of like a true bully. Uh, I, that's Donald well, Trump. Well, I was but, astounded. But, I, when I think of Donald Trump, I think of him caring about what everybody thinks of him. I don't he think so. But it's funny. But he knew yeah. that he would get him back in some other way. And he didn't want to be bothered
0: with this little two-bit idea of mine. And it also showed, it was the first time I realized he was a really arrogant guy. Didn't he care? It really set the tone for what was going to be Donald Trump. But as you pointed out, Lynn, he then took over the Wallman rink and, you know, he he wanted to show
2: off that he could could see it from his window. Right. And he wanted it to look pretty. And so he did this for the city. And it was it was iconic New York place
1: that would be, you know, a trim, an homage, if you will, to Donald Trump. So from your relationship, if we can call it that with him, did you ever get to go into these Trump events? Did you ever get to go to Mar-a-Lago? Did you ever get to go do anything? Well,
0: there was a time we had a house down in Florida right near Mar-a-Lago, and they used to have this big Easter brunch, which we were invited to. And my children were kind of young at that point. And so... I we used to go to the Easter brunches. I have to admit, we paid. I just want <laughs> to go and read. Really, <laughs> that No, he was uh, no, but I, I felt as a journalist, I had to pay. Right, uh, I, you know, yeah. there were rules. expensive? <laughs> well, whatever. And he, and he would always come up to my kids. Was very gracious. So I feel like I'm biting the hand that literally fed me. But he would always tell them, "Oh, your mom was the first woman to ever put me on TV. And my husband would wince (laughs) because he didn't exactly see that as an encomium. But he was very nice about it. But, you know, I, I have to say that I researched a little bit he went on, as you'll recall, to develop the Trump apartment houses up on from 59th to
1: 72nd. Right. Yeah. Okay. That's what I was talking about before. Okay. That was the part of his name on every building.
2: We're now taken off on
1: most of them. Right. Yes.
2: But here's an interesting
0: insight to the way he operated, which I didn't realize at the very first time I interviewed him, but I realized that when I did a little research. The way he got the Grand Hyatt. And the way he actually got the rights to build those buildings was that all of the land was owned by the I think it was the Grand Central um, project railroad. Yeah. And he made a deal in order to get the rights to do the Grand Hyatt, the one I interviewed him about Supposedly they had to put up 250,000 dollars to get the right to develop it. Well, he didn't have the $250,000 to put up, but his dad was very connected to the Beam administration. Mm-hmm. And they got a guy named Stanley Freeman, who worked for Beam, as you'll remember, or may not remember, to give him, to sign the agreement with the railroad that they would give them something like a $400,000 tax abatement for 40 years. My goodness. If he would be the developer. He didn't even have a signed thing from the railroad. But when the railroad saw that the city was willing to do that, they gave it to him for nothing.
2: Do you find that he was masterful or lucky,
0: Judy? No, I think he was masterful.
2: He was masterful
0: at at just a sleight of hand and at using his father's money and his father's influence. Initially, all the big deals he did in New York took zoning and took the administration's need to help him to get the rights. And under Beam, certainly, and under successive, not all. I mean, Ed Koch fought with him a lot. But the original deal with the railroad, the railroad owned the land, because remember, it's right over Grand Central. They owned the land for the Grand Hyatt, but they also owned the land at the Hudson Yards. Right. Because the Amtrak's go
1: up and And still do.
0: he wanted to build a thing called Trump City. Oh where on the entire West Side area from the 30s up through 72nd. But he couldn't put it together. Mm -hmm. And he ran up against a lot of civic resistance.
2: Now, if the Donald Trump of today, who's in the White House, met the Judy Licht of today, what would he say to you? Depends if he listens to this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I think
0: he'd still be friendly until the point he heard this podcast. And also, my husband uh, writes columns of, about various things having to do with the Trump administration. So I'm not so sure I'd have lunch at Mar-a-Lago anymore. But then again, we don't have a house down there, so that's all right.
2: Maybe he'll be
1: invited to the White House I, as long as he's I, there. I don't think so. I don't think you'd want to. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just interesting because I think that what this, ex- why this is such an exclusive, is that knowing how he got off the ground is very similar. In, from your story as kind of how he's done everything. Exactly.
0: He understands how to bob and weave. He floats like a butterfly. He mm-hmm. stings like a bee, to, to quote Muhammad Ali. He knows he has used fear. He has used flattery. And he is a genius At bombast. I mean, bluff and bravado, I think one of his critics claimed, and that's what he
2: does, bluff and bravado. And he's a genius at it. Um, And blame the other, right? You say that he's a liar, he'll call you a liar, and then he'll want to sue you about it, right? That's kind of his game.
0: Well, also, I mean, I think with the fairly recent exposure by the New York Times of his financial dealings,
2: you have
0: a picture of a man who literally lost more money. And even if he, you know, made it a bigger number for tax reasons, the guy lost money and was bailed out by his dad and sold him the, himself to the public, to America as a presidential candidate, as a smart businessman who was, was going to know how to... Self-made. D-
2: right. Self-made. The apprentice, smart. the whole premise
1: of that was that here he was, he made money, he knew how to make money. And so... And he trusted his gut. And right. And he didn't no, but, need generals and didn't need, you know... Well, but the thing is, people in New York kind of...
0: Business people in New York were on to him fairly soon. Not immediately but fairly soon
1: but the rest of the country was not do you think he's you say he's masterful hmm? but he's also kind of a fraud
2: he's so- a carnival barker basically
1: but he's got good street cred the thing that
2: i wonder though about donald trump is you say that a lot of people in new york know him we know who he is we don't really take him seriously now we're forced to there are a lot of people who don't trust him, who still vote for him, right? Well, on I both mean, <laughs>
1: let's
0: be fair. And I don't want to get I know politically, we're all a little bit different on this issue. But the economy is booming. And it is trickling down as opposed to what some people say. And so, you know, I, I think most of the people who have brains and still vote for him and back him and I know several of them are doing it because they feel the economy was lousy that the democrats would be better in general or or other republicans it's not even a it's not even a party issue would be better representatives of this government in all sorts of issues but the economy was really stagnating and there are things that he did which are reprehensible to many people nevertheless, he got the economy going. So for those people, a lot of business people are in favor of him.
2: Well, you know what's interesting about that, Judy? And here we go back to our days at WNBC back and forth with politics. But if we could remember back when Obama was actually elected for the first time, the economy under a Republican was crashing and Obama brought it back and it was on track to be back. It didn't shift. It didn't drop. It stayed the same. Trump did not make it better. It continued to be as good as it was with Obama. He usurped that narrative in order for people to think he was this great whiz and genius about the economy. But the truth is, I think he is what he is. And that's just a dupe. Okay, I don't agree with I that issue, I
0: but I don't think that's the subject of this podcast. No. The subject of this podcast is really how did a guy like Donald Trump, who is one of the biggest characters in our history, um, get to where he is and why do people either hate well, him or, or love just, him? I
1: think we just answer that. He got to where he is because of Judy Licht. That's Putting right. Putting him on the air, giving him a voice. Made Judy his career. Licht, Thank you for the Trump presidency. We are all indebted to you. Are you saying I'm going to go home we and kill myself? myself? Thank you for that, Judy. We appreciate it. <laughs> this has been the News Broad with Judy Licht, Lynn White, and Gina Cerrito. Special thanks to our producer, David Levin.